Hello and welcome to my B2B podcast. I'm your host, Troy Hooper, and I own and operate a farmer's insurance agency here in Caldwell, Idaho. I created this podcast to spotlight business owners and leaders to share their story and tell us about their business, the who, the what, the when, the why, and the how of it all. And if you're listening and are a business leader, my hope is that you will gain some great nuggets of knowledge from our guest that will help grow your business to the next level. And so with that, let's get into the interview. Hey, it's Troy Hooper today. I am with Chris Ott from The Chop Shop. Looking forward to talking to him a little bit about his business here on B2B Growth. It's your business. And Chris, I'm going to just start it off by saying, introduce yourself. Tell us who Chris is. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Christopher Ott. I am the chef owner operator of Chop Shop Barbecue in Caldwell, Idaho. Uh, a little bit about myself. I'm a Bay Area resident. I grew up in Vallejo, California. Uh, spent 20 years in Oakland. I've traveled extensively um, around the world to to really fine tune my craft. Um, I spent a lot of time in many many kitchens, and uh, yeah, now we are running a smoke themed restaurant in Caldwell, Idaho. So, cheers. Smoke themed—that's something that uh, we've talked about before. Where you named it the Chop Shop for a reason. That you just didn't want to pigeonhole yourself, right? Well, I didn't, I didn't want to pigeon my hold myself. And it was the, I, the model of chop shop again was when we chose Caldwell, you know, uh, we went with the barbecue route because of the versatility of the cuisine. Um, like we were saying earlier, every culture, every ethnicity has their take on what barbecue is. Right. Um, which gives us an endless, endless direction, endless like, creativity. Uh, we can use any ingredients we want. We can go any direction we want. Um, the great thing about being out in Caldwell is we're surrounded by our local farmers. So, you know, we we talk in the winter and in early spring um, about what can be planted and what what we want to try and grow. I've got two or three farmers that I work with. So, um, and then I pick from the plethora of other farmers around the valley. But um, so that's a good yeah, point. That you actually use local food from local produce, local meat. Absolutely, as much as I possibly can um produce for sure uh meat i've got some especially i've got a couple of small farms that are growing you know rabbits for me or uh experimenting with quail um i've got some other farm local farmers we get our chickens from we get our eggs from um all the beef and the pork is coming out of the pacific northwest so you've got montana wyoming washington right. um but yeah, we want to keep it as local as possible. I mean, my background has always been, for lack of a better term, that farm to table. Um, but uh, yeah, utilizing and talking with your local growers and your farmers is a key point in running a successful business, in my opinion, in the yeah, restaurant in fact, world anyway. In fact, you just said it. You were the featured chef at the uh, farm to table thing on the uh, Indian Creek Bridge there. This oh, year. yeah. No, yeah, Absolutely. It was blown away by a lot of the guests too, because they're like caviar. I'm like, well, you guys make some of the best caviar in Idaho. Like it's Nobody right here. That. And they'd never seen it at that dinner dinner before either. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of fun, you know. And it, it's it's again, it's it's educating the the general public on on what what they have to utilize here. You right. know, there's a there's a lot of options in this valley. There really are. Yeah. So so why Caldwell? I mean, what what was it about Caldwell that would made you say this is where I want to be? So, like I said, I, I grew up in Vallejo, California, so I'm a suburb of the Bay Area initially. Um, 
but we grew up around, uh, you know, fishing and hunting and, and, right. and farmers and Napa Valley was right there. So when we were looking at Boise, Boise is that up and coming city vibe. Um, I had met, I had went out to Indian Creek Plaza, Destination Caldwell specifically had brought me out. Uh, they showed me what they were doing and their plans with the lights and the rink and the farmer's market all right there. Um, and again, coming from the Bay Area and seeing the growth that happened and the, the way gentrification kind of worked and direction, um, you know, and looking at the Treasure Valley, you only have West really to go. Right. They're not going to build over the hill to go to Emmett, you know, so you've really got that direction West and you see it in the morning in traffic, you know, when you're driving out to Caldwell, everybody's coming in from that direction. Yeah, they are. So it's really, you know, and, and, and the, frankly, restaurants are the long game anyway. So we, we built chop shop with the projections of the future. Um, not worrying about today or tomorrow. We're right. talking three to five. Um, and we set goals in order to get the restaurant in a position to be able to accomplish accomplish that vision in three to five. That makes sense. So, um, and as you can see, with all the building and the developments going on downtown, uh, Chop Shop is in prime location. Um, and it's had great support from the community. Uh, like I said, I, I'm, I was raised around kind of that good old boy mentality. So... Uh, I've been pretty comfortable with Caldwell. Um, all my municipals and everybody backs and supports us really, really well. So, yeah, I'm just, I liked what they were doing. I saw, I saw what they saw, you know, um, as far as the future entails. So yeah, it's, it, it, you saw what they saw for the future. For the future. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, talking about the restaurant industry, what, what are some changes that you've seen that, good bad i don't know this what, what's what's happening mm. in the restaurant industry well uh a lot actually considering i mean we opened december of 19 so we opened and spent a year and a half in COVID. luckily the model of chop shop was designed to be takeout and it was built in that format so right. when COVID hit i mean that's our experience specifically so that's why i'll talk about it like this but when COVID hit, it made 75% of the industry have to pivot because they're not designed for doing that much takeout. They're not designed for to go online. A lot of people weren't even familiar with using online or Grubhub or DoorDash or Uber Eats or all these new platforms that are popping up right. that work in the big cities because it's hard to get around sometimes. You know, out here, when you're talking a little more rural America, like Uber Eats doesn't even really go to call. You know, so you, it's, there, there was challenges, I think, um, for a lot of the industry during COVID. Um, and what that did was it, it, it kind of changed um, how everybody had to do business, how everybody, you know, whether you were takeout or not takeout. Um, I think the fact that there's a lot of different elements playing into what's happening to our industry. Um, you're seeing a lot of labor shortages, which you are in many industries. Yeah. But as the restaurant field has been for the past many, many decades, it's, it's a kind of intense work, low pay, very long hours. Um, 
And I think there's a lot of factors. I think there's factors with people being able to make money online now. Right. I think there's there's a lot of new platforms that people are are utilizing to create revenue, so they don't have to do the nine to five. I go to work every day. Sure, I can work from home. Um, that factor and those factors, I think, are changing the game. You have a lot of people that were in the restaurant industry because they're going to school for whatever. You know, the restaurant business is that pivot place for a lot of people. Like some people find out they love it and they stay in it forever. Some people are using it to get through college to make some money while they're in school and doing this and doing that, you know? So um, I think one thing we've seen is that the amount of uh, career restaurateurs has went way down. Mm. Uh, You don't have a lot of people really going to our industry because, um, because of what you do make. I mean, we've had to shift because of lack labor shortages I think a lot of businesses are paying double what they used to, you know, um, the average five years ago for a restaurant, say a dishwasher prep cook was 10 bucks an hour, Right. you ain't getting nobody in the door for $10 an hour anymore. You know, the, you have to be in the 15 to $18 range minimum. I know some of these guys are paying more than that. Um, you know, which, which affects the business a lot, you know, so I don't know if that was to answer your question. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and then coming out of COVID, obviously, has it, has what we had to deal with in COVID, has that become, that's the norm now of doing business? And then what people Um, that weren't able to shift for that, they're the ones that are not going to be around or what? Well, I think, I think the people that didn't pivot properly didn't survive. Okay. Uh, I think the people that weren't, you know, the, the one thing about the restaurant industry, the restaurant industry is always that kind of fantasy industry for a lot of people hmm. where it's like, I've always wanted to be a chef. I've always wanted to own a restaurant or a bar. And what they don't realize going in is that our industry margins are tiny. They're very small. So in tail, to make to make that margin worthwhile, you really have to understand how it works. Um, you really have to have experience doing it Yeah. Um, to jump in and go, Oh, I made some money doing this. I'm going to go do that. Now you're just going to burn your money up, you know? So I think a lot of people that were kind of already skinned by the grit of their teeth, you know, that were kind of squeaking by, I think a lot of those businesses didn't survive. Right. And people that knew where they could cut costs and where they could kind of buckle down. Um, they did so and they made it work. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you, you saw, saw, go you ahead. saw all through during COVID, you saw people posting signs at their restaurants saying, we deliver, we deliver. You know? We deliver. We now have cocktails to go in mason right, jars. Right. You can buy our sauces. You can buy our pasta. We've got meat butchery. We were doing grocery bags now. I mean, people during COVID, people went every, every direction they could possibly think of to try and generate revenue because they were taking such a hard hit by not being allowed have guests in their restaurants right the one blessing and i will say it's a blessing because it was because chop shop wouldn't have survived um we if we would have opened in ada county because of the lockdown that they did we wouldn't have survived that the one benefit of us being in canyon county is canyon county never made it mandatory for the restaurants to close they kept it open to where it was your choice if you wanted to make it mandatory for people to wear masks your, your choice 
you know, it, they, they gave us that freedom. You know, we are small business owners. It's up to you. You decide. And Canyon yeah. County yeah. kept it that way. And that's one of the reasons we survived. Um, because also you had Ada County, you had people from other states come into Canyon County because it was open and they were coming for a sense of normalcy. Yeah. I talked to more people that, you know, during that time that were like, do we have to wear masks? Like, what's your protocol? And in the thick of it, when everyone was trying to figure it out, of course, masks were mandatory. We did what it was necessary to make everybody safe, 100%. But as it kind of tapered off, it was, you know, it became your choice, you know? And yeah. um, I think I, I think what you lost, uh, it, it was hundreds of thousands of restaurants that closed during that time, which is a tragedy in our industry. Um, but it's made it very challenging, you know, moving forward. Like you have to pay a decent wage. You have to take care of your people, um, which I think for the good businesses was already part of their protocol and kind of their structure. You know, hey, if you if you take care of your people, you don't have turnover. You don't lose them so much. It doesn't cost you so much money to do business. Right. But people had to realize that, oh, I have to take care of my people. Like they have to have a good, positive work environment. Yeah. You know, the so, principle was certainly sure. there. Right, right. So let's talk about you as a business owner. Who inspires you? What do you read? Who's some, you know, um, gurus? So I, I've had the pleasure of working for under a lot of really talented people. Um, so I follow them. I follow old chefs I've worked for in the past. Uh, and I, I, you know, I... I don't, I, I spend more time in the markets and talking to my purveyors um, than I do necessarily glancing at cookbooks. Um, I let the ingredients that I'm around kind of drive what we do. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, with, with the internet, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're watching food channels and food shows and we dabble in that. We, we, me and the kids like to watch the, the cake shows a lot. We watch a lot of baking stuff. Um, but I mean, it really, it's, it's all over the place. I, I, my inspiration absorbed from everywhere. My kids, my, my, the grocery store. I mean, it's everything. So. So when you talk um, about your inspiration, I'll just throw this one out just for fun. What is your favorite food to cook? Um, Fish is my favorite, to be honest. Okay. Seafood is much more, um, there's much more finesse involved. It's delicate. There's a lot, there's a lot more technique, I, I would say, in uh, dealing with fish properly. Now, given I do own, own and run a meat-based restaurant, um, but that, again, that's one thing that barbecue and protein um, there's uh there's a lot of leniency there as where there's not so much with fish if you screw fish up that's done um but since we do we're, we're going down this road of of if i, if I was going to say i would honestly say a brisket at this point okay i didn't cook brisket i've never cooked a brisket professionally minus making pastrami like just to smoke a brisket uh in the past three years i have a great respect for that cut of meat it is uh it's it's a little frugal and it's it's um it's it's the character of it is varies from animal to animal. It's it's so drastic. No matter how consistent we are with what we do to it, 
every single brisket has its own characteristics, every yeah. single one. So let me, let me take you back to employees. Cause you touched on this a little bit. What talk a little bit more about just keeping employees, but not paying ridiculous pricing. I, I mean, what, is there more things involved than just somebody saying, I want, I want 25 bucks an hour to do the dishes or getting somebody in and then giving them perks along the way. Well, so with the model of Chop Shop, um, Chop Shop was designed to, one, we pay, I think, minimum wage in Idaho, if you're a front of the house worker, is three thirty-five an hour or something along those lines. I haven't looked in a long time. Uh, we start all our cashiers at $8 an hour okay. uh, because that amount is ridiculous to me, that that is even still legal anywhere to pay someone that low of wage. Um, so we started everybody in eight, eight bucks an hour with their gratuity, the way our restaurant is designed, they're making really good money. Um, it's almost almost doubled, if not two and a half times that amount with their gratuity that they make through Chop Shop. My front of the, my kitchen guys all start at a decent wage and they also are tipped out. So that tip out is a two to $3 on top. Okay of their wage. And we do it that way because if I give you a flat rate and say, I'm going to pay you 15 bucks an hour, well, that's all you get. You know, now you might get a raise once a year, twice a year, depending on, on how you perform. But by doing the gratuity, when we're really, really busy there, you know, those guys are making an extra three to five on their check an hour. So it gives me a window during when we're busy and you're working real hard. Yeah. You're making good money. And even when we're, you're still making, you're still getting, making more on top, you know what I mean? But there's that set numbers there, yeah. you know, so it gives them a little more play throughout the years. So I think um, that's been a factor to my staff personally. Um, I've had very little turnover. I mean, most of my team has been with me for a year and a half, if not two, um, but we've created a little family atmosphere. And I think, I think, um, really creating uh, creating a harmony with your staff and like a little family. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, you want people to want to come to work, you know, and anybody that walks into chop shop, we're always having a good time. We're always screwing off and having fun. Um, and I think that's a factor, you know, because when you dread going to work, what, what's the point of doing that? Why yeah. would you do that? You know, and everybody on our team, enjoys being with one another and we've had a really uh we've had a great time so the success of chop shop is really based around the staff um and it, you, again yeah, you've chop created shop, that culture no we've created that culture and and the flip side is is when people come in with their resumes going well i've done this and done that and i said well that doesn't really matter if you don't get along with us we don't want you here anyway right you know and because you fitting in and vibing with us is what makes the energy of Chop Shop. If you've got one guy that's a sad panda or just wants to be pissy all day, he's gonna ruin. He's gonna ruin it for everybody, right. you know. So you really want to keep that good energy pumping. Um, and certainly with your open layout like that, you don't want that attitude reflecting out to the customers either. You you can, and that was also part of why it was designed that way because I wanted the guests to be able to one see everything we do to be able to interact with everyone because I think that part 
is a huge factor for the guest when a line cook comes out and says, how, how was everything? You know, that interaction is what makes chop, shop, chop, shop. Yeah. Um, and also by it being open, it makes us as cooks behave better, which is a factor. Makes sense. So if it was a closed kitchen, the language would be terrific. Yeah. Um, so let me throw out one question to you that I'm, I'm hoping I'm not the only person who's thought about this, but Mondays, you're closed. Sun, mm -hmm. Just Sunday or Sunday? No, it's Mondays, just you're closed. It's Sunday, Monday, Sunday. Um, but we closed on Mondays because that's really, Sunday and Mondays are just quiet out on that plaza for right now. Um, again, once the building and the construction that's going on is done and there's people living down there. That could change. The, 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 it will totally change. Um, but for now, I mean, the two days off is so everybody gets a break. You know, streamlining our service. So Sunday and Mondays are our mandatory closed days, even though sometimes we're in there on Mondays. Right. Um, it makes uh, scheduling a little simpler. It, it, it kind of streamlines everything for us. So. Right. As of right now, it's worked. Um, I know everybody wants more restaurants to be open on Sundays and Mondays because there's a lot of us that are closed out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was an interesting thing. I didn't know if there was like a coalition or something of restaurants that got together and said, "Hey, how about Mondays? We just close." But you just have just to think, just have to do like you said about in COVID. You just have to pivot and say, "All right, well, I just know certain places aren't going to be open on Mondays." Well, Give them and a break. Here, here's the flip side. This is one thing that COVID did that I will say, I mean, we have it printed on our door that our hours of operation vary depending on business. So not for nothing, but if it's seven o'clock and we haven't had anybody walk in the door for two hours, then we're gonna close. Close it down, yeah. Cause what's the point of waiting for one guy that's gonna come over and order fries now, given you want a whole consistency with your hours. But that's the one thing is that you can't sit around and just burn money just to burn money. I'm right. sorry, you know, if we got to close down a little bit early, that's what we got to do. Yeah. Um, and Sunday and Monday ended up being those days. I've never tried to be open on Monday. We do the first year we did Sundays and it was hit or miss. I mean, some of some days it was really good. Some days it was painful. Right. Um, you know, but I think streamlining in that Tuesday through Saturday has worked really well for us. And once there is more going on down there, we will definitely adjust the hours for sure. That's cool. So, and I just, I say that because it was, you mentioned COVID and I think COVID was when it re we really started recognizing that Monday seemed to be a day. And, yeah. and, and now <laughs> things started to pick up at the plaza. I can see that changing pretty quickly, you know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, but that, but, but again, is, you know, people have the assumption that, oh, well, restaurants are supposed to be open seven days a week. It's like, mm, I mean, no, they're not. And I want to see my kids. My staff wants to see their children and their loved ones and their family. And if I have it open seven days a week, everybody's going to try and work seven days a week, right. myself included. And, you know, that's one thing that is uh, really challenging in the restaurant industry is balancing balance and quality of life. So it's something that we're trying to focus on with Chop Shop. Um, again, that also going goes to keeping staff. You know, if you're not working them to death and they enjoy what they do, you're in a win-win scenario. Sure. So that makes sense. So tell yeah. me, I'm going to throw this one out kind of like as a final question here. What's something that you haven't cooked yet that you want to give a try to? 
Hmm. That is a deep question right there. That is, I might not be able to answer that one right off the bat. Um, we've brought rabbit and octopus. Um, we've done oysters. We've done mussels and clams. We've done squid. Have you done shark? I've not done shark. Uh, again, you're you're gonna want to bring. We've done swordfish. Um, um, I haven't. We've smoked elk. I've done bighorn sheep. I'd have to think about that one to be honest. I know, but just but just having you list it, those was good. It was cool if, enough to just go. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, that. I've got. Yeah. Like. I mean, we've tried to be as far out of the box as possible. Um, I mean, we've done tongue and sweetbreads and heart, liver, um, alligator, rattlesnake. Those are those are things we've talked about. Those are things we've talked about that we haven't done yet. Uh, frog. We've talked about doing some smoked frog. Um, you can leave the rest. Yeah, it, I mean, the things that we haven't done yet are the really weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a special night at the shop. shop. No, right, right. <laughs> You'll see a lot of Instagram about that. Oh, that's cool. All right, well, Chris, right. thank you for taking the time to me today. This has been awesome to hear Absolutely, more about the shop, shop, what you do. And I just uh, wish you all the big, biggest success. I'll be down there soon. And this thank is you, thank you. This has been a great time with you. This is my name is Troy Hooper. This is B2B Growth. It's your business.